you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy hellman hello everybody it has been so heartwarming and exciting to read your birthday messages to us turning six is a really big deal I haven't turned six in many, many, many years, but March is the podcast's birthday and I am leaning in hard. We deserve to celebrate. I think it's a huge accomplishment. Never when I started back six years ago, did I imagine that we'd still be going strong. Back then, I mean, I don't even want to go back to those episodes. I'm sure they're a little cringeworthy, but my producer, Katherine Heller, has been at the helm this entire time doing her best to make me sound like a professional. And now it just feels like second nature. What would I do without being able to talk to you guys? So thank you so much for sharing your stories about how this podcast has impacted you. If you feel that you have a story you want to share with us, if you want to help us celebrate our birthday, please write to me at info at affordableinteriordesign.com. You know, put happy birthday in the subject line, whatever you want to do. But I can't wait to read some of these live on the air because they are so special. And um, I'm celebrating a birthday all this month. So either the last episode of this month or the first episode of next month, I'll be reading some of those very sweet messages. Speaking of messages, guys, I love getting your questions. Keep them coming. I'm going to try and plow through the mailbag in the upcoming episodes because we do have a lot of good stuff in there. I want to remind you of a few best practices because sometimes it's hard for me to answer your questions due to the following things. And I want to really be of value to you. I want you to send in questions I'm able to answer in a way that helps me to answer them with accuracy. So the first thing is don't make your questions too technical. I look at these questions for about five to 10 minutes before answering them. So I don't have time to pour over them because I have a lot of clients, guys, clients and other work to do. And this is sort of my fun outlet. So this is the place to ask those easy breezy questions, but sending me detailed floor plans, asking for measurements, even asking for exact placements is something I'm not able to do on a podcast level. 
if you need that done, you can always hire us. You can hire us and work with me, right? You can reach out to info at Affordable Interior Design if you do have those in-depth questions, if you do have a whole list of questions that maybe build upon each other or could be hard for me to answer quickly. But we do need to keep them a little bit shorter, not only so that I can answer other people's questions, but also because the more detailed these questions get, the harder it is for me to answer them because I'm only getting a few snapshots of these rooms, right? So I have a limited visual information. Speaking of visual information, you want to make sure that you're sending me pictures that I can look at. Sometimes I get these teeny tiny thumbnails and I can't see what's going on. And I don't want to just be talking off the cuff without that visual reference. And then on the flip side, sometimes I get pictures that are so big or there's so many, like a whole zip file, that again, it's hard for me to be able to think of an answer in five to 10 minutes because I'm having to pour over this documentation. I'm having to download these pictures in a different way and edit them in a photo editor so that I can even see them on my monitor. So we want to think of that mid-size photo, right? That I can just see inside the email, that I can quickly summarize. And also, if you have an urgent question, it's very hard for me to answer urgent questions because I take everyone's questions in order. The only exception to that are premium members who do go to the top of the mailbag. So if you are a premium member, you can get an urgent question answered relatively quickly, but I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I batch these podcasts. I don't record one each week typically. Typically, I record one day a month, maybe two days a month. It can vary, but my favorite workflow is just pounding these episodes out for four hours on a Saturday and then having them just go out in a really steady pace. So you're still going to have to wait a month. If there's a question that really can't wait that long, you need to hire us. You can hire me as soon as next week, right? But in order to get an in-depth, urgent question with lots of pictures answered, the podcast is not the best forum because also I don't want to give you off-the-cuff advice for a problem that really needs more research. So hopefully that gave you a little glimpse into my process and hopefully it will help you to think about what questions you should ask me because I love your questions. I love challenging questions. I love difficult spaces, but it has to be something that is bite-sized enough for me to handle and then move on so that lots of people can get lots of great advice. If I do say so myself, do you like how I just uh, gave myself a, a little kudos with that great advice slant? But I've been doing this for a long time, guys. This is not my first rodeo. So I think if that whole Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours applies to what I've been doing, I'm definitely an expert. All right, without further ado, I have two questions today from two writers. Well, there's more than two questions, but two, two askers. And both of these questions fall into those difficult types of questions that, you know, 
we need to kind of make them a little more softball for a podcast because it's hard for me to dig into architectural drawings. But I'm going to do my best. And here goes nothing. So this one comes from B. B's a premium member and she writes, Betsy, I'm so excited that I've signed up to be a premium member today. I get bonus content and lots of good extra interior design episodes. But I've got some things that are stumping me right now and I need your help. I hope you can help me figure this out. I'm attaching the layout for a home build, plus pictures of my imagined kitchen. There's also other visuals to illustrate the ideas I'll be mentioning. I wanted my home to have some ADA features as well because our parents might be living with us in the future. We have a living room that has a TV wall with two doors on both sides of it. One door leads to the master, gallery, master gallery, excuse me, more explanation of what that is in a moment, and the other door leads to a laundry room. What can we do to make it not an eyesore for those two doors to be where they are at? All right, so just looking at these plans, I don't actually know what a gallery is. Of course, I know what an art gallery is. I know what um, some other types of galleries are, but in this particular context, inside your home, I don't know what this gallery space is. It looks like just an extension of the foyer, like just, you know, a longer type hallway. And looking at the doors, you know, it is very hard for me to ascertain exactly what the architectural plans mean without you being there because the gallery for me does not have any doors coming off of it. So I'm wondering, is she referring to the foyer? Anyway, it's hard for me to give structural advice in terms of your next question because you ask, should I recess the doors so they don't pop out? Should I pick nicer doors so they add character to the room? We have a master gallery room to give the master bedroom some privacy. It may not be visible outright to anybody walking outside the area. It's either a super long hallway leading to the master bedroom, LOL, so we pick this. It's also a great extra room for a craft room or cozy library reading nook. Again, I'm not seeing doors on this gallery and I am seeing some bedrooms. So I'm just having a hard, oh, I just found the master gallery. Do you know there's two things on this floor plan called gallery? And I'd been looking at the wrong thing all along. So yes, it's almost like this gallery is almost like a little nursery that's right off the master suite. And a lot of older homes, including my home that was built in 1913, you have the master suite. And then there's this odd little door leading to this odd little room that maybe doesn't even have a closet. And that's certainly the case here. And it is kind of hard to know what to do with that room. In my case, that little nursery off of our master is actually the same size and a much more usable room than our master. The only problem is no closets. So it is just such an odd room because it's bigger than any of the other bedrooms in our home. That's why we didn't give it to one of the kids because we didn't want to show preferential treatment. And instead we use this big weird nursery room as a playroom. It works out pretty nicely, but as my kids grow up and no longer need a playroom, they just want a video game console and a TV screen, as they no longer need that room for Legos, craft projects, etc., I'm sure one of them is going to be pining for it to be their bedroom. 
so yes, I do see it now. And it's so funny because Master Gallery is in such tiny, tiny print, much smaller print than any of the labels on the other rooms, that it was hard for me to see. But I see what you're saying now. And I do see that little room. I think it would make a great craft room. I mean, you'd want to have some kind of intention for it. It'd be an amazing vanity. The odd thing about this room is that you must go through the gallery in order to enter the master. In a lot of these circumstances, the gallery is an ancillary room that you don't have to pass through first. This is almost, as you were referring now, I'm understanding, a foyer for your master suite. I was looking at the wrong gallery. So this room sets the tone for the master. Now, typically in a master, it's only you and your partner who will be going in here. So it's not like we need to make this some kind of showroom, right? It's not a foyer. Um, if there was something that you could practically use this for, like that craft area, even though it would have to be very tidy, or say a vanity area, or something that could relate to the master, like a tiny room with a little TV. Say that one of the partners likes to watch a show, but they don't want a TV in the master suite, and they don't want to rely on only the TV in the family room. Well, I think that could make sense too. But this is a strange little room that could only handle one very focused idea. It would have to be pretty tidy all the time since I'm walking through it every night and every morning. And these are things to keep in mind. You know, you want to ask yourself, what functions do I have? Or is this just going to be a very decadent, non-functional space? I have someone coming to the storefront. One second. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. I love visitors to the storefront. It is so delightful to have people stop by and say hi. That was my acupuncturist. I can't recognize anyone without um, without seeing the rest of their face when they have the mask on. I'm like, who is that? But anyway, my acupuncturist just stopped by to say hi, but then it takes me out of my flow. Uh, let me get back into what I was saying. So I think we fully covered that little master gallery room, the second gallery in your home. Now let's keep going and answer some other questions. You mentioned we won't have a fireplace in this home as we are in hot and humid Houston. So the cost to a fireplace doesn't really justify it being included in the budget as we did not use the fireplace in our old home before we sold it. So we pick storage practically 
over the aesthetic of the fireplace. What type of built-in should we put on the TV wall? We are also wanting to hide the cords in the game consoles like the Xbox, the PlayStation, so it'll be clutter-free, but I want it to be close by for convenience. So yes, when I'm thinking about a built-in, I'm thinking about open and closed storage. The closed storage will allow me to conceal ugly things. Playstations, Xboxes, cords, routers, cable boxes. And so within the closed environment, if I'm doing this custom, I'm going to want outlets in there. I'm going to want opportunities to plug things in. Maybe I'm going to have my handy person or the mill worker install some infrared dots so I can completely control those devices with the doors closed or there are some other apparatuses that you can use that allow you to have closed doors with no glass on those implements and you can still manipulate the tv or whatever else you're doing so you might want to think about that. Of course, these tricked out solutions can get a little expensive, but they're certainly worth it if you're going to already invest in the custom millwork. You know, if this wasn't a home you were going to stay in forever, I don't always recommend built-ins because they're not always perfect for resale value, especially when you build in around a TV. I am just designing an amazing duplex condo in the West Village. Oh no, excuse me. It's the East Village of New York City. And they have this really great built-in from the previous owner. But it has this tiny little compartment for a 42 inch TV. I mean, at this point in time, that is a glorified computer monitor. And it really doesn't make sense to be the cavity for a TV in this day and age. So now we've got this hole. Now we've got this hole that has holes behind it because it has an outlet. So now we're left with this kind of weird void, which of course I can fill. I'm an interior designer. We can put a piece of art in there. We can add shelves. We could box it in. We could wallpaper the back. So that way, you know, we can kind of cover those imperfections that will be spackling up. There's lots of aesthetically pleasing ways to cover that hole, but it is no longer practical for a TV. And so that's one hesitation I have is that what if the TV changes shape? What if it doesn't even become necessarily larger, but just different? What if speakers are built in around the frame? It no longer fits in there, or we can't do the same size. So I just think you start to really hem yourself in when you do built-ins. But if you're going to live there forever, if this is your home and we don't have to worry about resale, we don't have to worry about how somebody else is using this home, then make all your dreams come true. Just do your due diligence. You want to measure from where your eyeballs will be on the couch to the front of the TV screen. That number in inches divided by two is the size of your TV. So say that from my eyeballs in that East Village apartment to the screen of the television, it's 120 inches. I'm going to divide 120 inches by two. That's 60. And my TV should be a 60 inch TV. That makes sense? I want to make sure that when you're creating that cavity for the TV, you allow yourself an extra 10 inches for growth. Who knows what will happen in the future, but don't box yourself in with a boxed in TV. All right, you continue. You ask, in the laundry room, we originally put a built-in broom closet in the corner closest to the door that leads to the garage. 
I think we need help to reconfigure the whole laundry room to make it flow better and maximize space. We might move the brooms, the dustpan, the vacuum to the little space on the left of the fridge in the kitchen. That broom closet built in, by the way, is in the layout. See, this is where it gets complicated, guys. When you send me all these drawings and all these details, I'm like, oh my gosh, which layout, which floor plan, which rendering? Ah! If you're my client, I'm pouring over this for 20 to 30 minutes before we talk. If you're my podcast guest, I've got five to 10 minutes to look this over. It's a little daunting. The other things we want in the laundry room are a washer, dryer, raised built-in, Uh, that has drawers underneath for ADA easiness, ample counter space to fold or iron clothes, cantilevered or retractable drying racks to hang damp clothing, a drawer with built-in foldable iron for less clutter, a little area near the door with the garage for a seat for people to sit down and take their shoes off right after, a laundry sink, a shelf with room for hampers underneath for people to put in their laundry without having to drag the hamper out, plus a little hole in the wall separating the master closet from the laundry room to put away the laundry from the master suite straight into the same hampers in the laundry room. Number eight, we also want a hanging rod somewhere in the mix. I know that this is a tall list, but I'm hoping that you could help us out with making this work. This takes strategy. This takes time. You have to be very intentional with where you're putting everything. And you know, you have a relatively small utility room. It's taken up by two large doors. So you don't have that many usable walls after you have the side-by-side washer and dryer. You would really want to work strategically with a space planner on this, and you're doing everything custom. So certainly you could hire us to help you. We could take a deeper dive. We could poke around with the floor plans. But since everything's going to be custom, you should actually be talking with the carpenter, cabinet maker, mill worker, or whatever vendor you're using to actually manufacture these products because they're going to have options for you. They're going to have things that you could add that are just in their roster of different ideas and different offerings and each store varies so like people ask us to design their kitchen and it's not quite that easy you want to go with the person whose custom cabinets you will be buying because they'll have different sized offerings based on the line based on the brand and then they can be able to interchange those with their specialized software that only works with their lines and as their lines evolve and change as their offerings either include more sizes or reduce in the quantity of sizes, you know, they're going to have that expertise. Also, it's generally thrown in with the price of the cabinets. So in this case, because there's a lot of cabinetry involved, I think you'll be getting a cabinet maker involved in this process and you'll want to see what they're offering and maximize the space according to their offerings. The one thing I would suggest looking at these plans is, you know, we just talked about how we have no real use for this master gallery. And we just talked about how you have so many uses for this utility room that it's almost overwhelming. I'm thinking because these two rooms share a wall that instead of having a master gallery, you should reduce it to a master hallway push the wall in the utility room further back to gain that four by eight 
foot space and then incorporate that wasted quote unquote space from the master gallery into that super functional space in that very multi-use utility room. In fact, I don't think I've ever worked with a client on a utility room that had so many functions. That's something else, if I was your designer, I would be asking you, do we need all of these functions in here? Sometimes when you ask your space or when you ask a partner to do too much work, to do too many different functions, they don't do any one of them very well because the space can get overwhelmed just like a person can be overwhelmed. I'm worrying that you are overwhelming this space and the thing we don't have are usable walls that we can crawl up for these different apparatuses. A couple of ways we could gain the extra wall space is by bumping out that wall in the master gallery so that we make it that master hallway as I suggested. The other way that we can add wall space to a room is to turn these swinging doors into pocket doors. By having a pocket door that slides into the wall, you get to use both sides of the wall for furniture, for countertops, for function, rather than just leaving it vacant for door swing. So if you're still working with your architect on this project, I would see what kind of modifications we could make because those are very easy structural changes based on the floor plans I'm seeing here and I think they would have enormous impact. So you do go on to ask lots of other questions but as you know it's been a little challenging to get this far in. So Barbara or B as you called yourself at the beginning of the email Let's see. I don't know. We have a couple minutes left. Okay, B, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole with you, but whoa, we're going to definitely get out of the laundry room. Okay, here we go. We'll we'll go to this next one. Lastly, I am not sure whether I should keep the three posts in the dining room. If it's a good idea to keep them, what type of posts would look good? What type of ceiling detail should I do to the master bedroom, living room, and tray ceiling beams, cove lighting, and that lighting embedded in the ceiling? I'm aiming for an airy, transitional, somewhat coastal, but not beachy look. I'll include two collages I've been looking at. Again, these are amazing questions, but these are all structural questions where there's a lot of money on the line. This is not something you want to redo in five years, 10 years, or maybe ever. So I really don't want you to be thinking about these in a quick offhand way. Not only do these architectural changes need to resonate with your style, since this is a custom home that you're building from scratch, but they really need to reflect the architecture. I was just teasing in the last podcast about a staging idea, right? Somebody wrote in with a question about staging, and I said, you know, this is actually something that's been on my mind, and I'll tell you more about why in the next podcast. And the reason why is because I've been thinking of moving. You know, due to COVID, it's just been real eye-opening. Like, why am I living where I'm living? Why am I doing what I'm doing while I'm reevaluating everything from which friends I'm able to see to if my kids are able to go to school to where I'm eating dinner at nights while I'm reevaluating nearly every choice in my life? Why don't I reevaluate if I'm living in a place where I want to be because I have an enormous crush on New York City, 
New York City is a part of my family. I know that sounds silly, but when you live in a city as difficult as New York City, you have to want to live there so bad that you fight for it. Like fighting for a family member that you care about deeply. And there's so much value that New York City brings from the museums to the theater to just the constant visual inspiration that um, there's tons of upsides. It's not just a difficult place to live. It's an amazingly inspiring place to live. But during COVID, I'm not going. I used to go once a week at minimum to see clients and once a month at minimum to go see a Broadway show. All that's been taken away. What am I doing here? Why don't I live in the home of my dreams on like six acres? I want a nice tub. That's what I want, guys. I want a nice tub. And I live in Westchester where property taxes are, you know, over 35K and just reevaluating everything, right? So I'm looking at architecture to bring this back to your question, Barbara. And I'm looking at homes not far from the area, but far enough where I can get that land and get better property values and just really live the life I've been wanting to live in a larger home that's more comfortable. As I've been looking around, all the homes out here are somewhat dated because it's an older area. We're in New York and, you know, it's very old and has historic roots, and I love historic homes. But these homes have a lot of personality. So as I'm touring these homes, looking, thinking if I could live there, I'm adapting my style to the architecture. So for instance, I just went to see this very, very old farmhouse in Rockley, New Jersey. It's from the 1700s. A blacksmith used to live there. And they've added on many, many additions to this original very small home, but it still has the original outhouse, the original well, the barn, and all of this has been preserved for this many years. Inside, as they've been updating it, they've been putting things in like wagon wheels, like rustic stone. This is not my jam. I love New York City. I come from Missouri, but not even from a rural area. I'm from an urban, well, Columbia, Missouri, pretty urban part of the state. And so I was like, how do I make this architecture jive with what I like? And I like bold colors, bold patterns. That's just my personal style. It's not what I do for my clients for the most part. So I was like, okay, I need a two word phrase for this home. So basically any new architectural changes I wanna make because it needed a lot of work can be cohesive with not only something I love, but also with the architecture that's intrinsic to the space already. So I came up with this idea of um, <laughs> Brady Bunch goes to a dude ranch. So I can use all my favorite um, mod patterns, bright colors, mid-century modern furniture, but also be thinking about that farm connection that's so deeply ingrained in this home. So doing John Wayne wallpaper, but in yellow ochre and emerald green to coordinate with colors from the 60s. So basically the style would be dude ranch or farmhouse. And the feel would be like Brady Bunch, you know, 60s vibe. I still needed to lock in because I didn't want to fall too in love in case we didn't get it. Believe it or not, I'd already designed all of this before I'd even seen the home, just browsing through the listings because that's, you know, what a designer might do, get obsessed with the pictures before they've even seen it. We saw it. 
and he needs a lot of work. And John Wayne is not as sexy as he used to be (laughs) if we're just relating that analogy to this home. So we're not going to move to the Brady Bunch farmhouse. But I want you to be thinking as you're making architectural choices about the shell of the home. And I know that this is a custom-built home that you're choosing and you get to make these decisions, but you need to be even stronger in your two-word phrase. You need to have a real point of view that drives these decisions and not just picking lighting because you like it, not just picking a type of molding because you like it, but picking it because it's rooted in that original concept that you love. That's a manifestation of your dreams because this is your custom dream home. Barbara, I think starting from that place and using it as the lens through which you make all decisions will help you to be more independent when not only talking to vendors, but making your own choices about the interior design of this beautiful palatial new home. So guys, I'm not moving to the Dude Ranch in New Jersey, but I know the perfect home is out there for me. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about another home I was looking at and another design compromise I was thinking about on next week's episode. You won't want to miss it. Guys, if you have questions, send them to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Keep in mind our best practices, and I can't wait to see what you're up to. Talk to you next week. Bye. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.